As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're back, baby. Hey, folks. Welcome into Onto Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. We were locked out. You've got to forgive the absence. We were working on a new CBA with the New York Times. And, uh, you know, it was a big battle back and forth. And eventually, they agreed that I uh, can reach free agency after uh, four and a half years of service time. So we signed on the dotted line, and we're back now. We're here to talk Cubs baseball, baseball in general. I am joined uh, by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney from The Athletic. And uh, yeah, so well, welcome back, guys. It's good to see you. We, haven't, we, we did the thing where we, we haven't chatted much during the shutdown so we could save all of our, you know, the, the friendship vibrations and energy <laughs> for the podcast so people can hear it, you know, live-ish on the air. <laughs> we don't, we don't want to fake that for them. Come on, Brett. That's, uh, that'll be awkward, pretending that we you like each other. You can't uh, stage this this kind of chemistry. You can't. Well, was it like Joe Madden? I don't I don't vibrate on that frequency or something. <laughs> you know that did kind of pop into my head as I was as I was saying it. Like apparently he he weaved his way into my consciousness, uh, including I have to I have to do the joke. We're not gonna like talk about Joe Madden on the pod, but I don't know if you saw. So he's entering into his walk year with the Angels, and you know. They, they're not necessarily committing to a new deal after that. And so I had to joke. I'm like, okay, so if his contract expires and he leaves, will we say that the Angels fired him? <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, that was that's a big industry talking point about Joe Madden's mutual departure from the Cubs, uh, whether that was just contract expires, he leaves, but he kind of wanted to stay. But then he said later he didn't want to stay. And anyway, we'll see if that plays out uh with the angels so baseball's back uh the cubs have started their spring training schedule not but eight days after there was not a cba in place there was still a lockout and somehow they are playing spring training games eight days after that uh that blows my mind happy about it uh pleased that things got resolved in a way to preserve 162 game schedule i think certainly there's still going to be some fallout from the decision 
of the owners to lock out the players for three and a half months. In fact, I think we will probably see, at least in the most tangible way, we will see that fallout perhaps in injuries that pop up that may not have otherwise. Um, but we'll focus more, I think, on where things stand with the Cubs in the offseason, this sort of offseason part two, and what we think it is that they're doing. So, I don't know. Do you, do you want to jump into kind of summing up high level what the Cubs have done, transactionally speaking, since the lockout ended last week? It's a lot for one week. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's funny. We In the media room, we, we already had a bet about how many pitchers they would sign. And I believe this was post, it was either post or pre Chris Martin. So they're at seven. The over under was set at seven and a half. It may be over that by since I last counted. Uh, but, but that's just post Chris Martin. So I mean, there's a lot going on here. They're adding pitching like crazy. Uh, I mean, the main, one of the main reasons for that is I, I didn't really think about it until I looked it up, but, they were probably expecting for 200 innings combined from Alzali and Cody Hoyer, if not a little bit more, uh, if, if Alzali really clicked this year. But, I mean, the, around there is what they were probably hoping for from those guys. Uh, you have to look at baseball now, nowadays especially, as how do you get through a season with 1,500 through 1,500 innings? Like, how do you combine that? How do you get through that? Uh, and, you know, uh, <laughs> whatever, four days ago, you looked at the Cubs roster, and that wasn't possible. It was like, how do you, you can't do this? Uh, there's no way to get through this season. So what they've done is there's been a ton of relievers, ton of depth pitchers, and obviously the big one is, is Seiya Suzuki. Uh, adding Simmons, Jonathan VR, those are those are nice moves in a, in one sense. That's, that feels like depth, solidifying the defensive infield at shortstop, having a platoon partner with uh, Patrick Wisdom for the most part with VR. Suzuki's the big one, right? That's the one that kind of should show to fans. Like, it, it, if you don't know the direction by now, I don't really like. <laughs> I think you're not trying to get it right. Like you, you, you have one strict way that you want them to do things, and that's to bowl over uh, everyone with their financial might at all times. And hey, that's your right as a fan. But I think Jed's been pretty clear about what he's doing. He's, he's He's got an eye towards the future, and if if that eye towards the future coincides with winning in 2022, that's great. And that's what Suzuki Suzuki fits that mantra perfectly, right? And and signing a one year deal, a two year deal for a guy that helps them, that isn't going to handcuff them uh, when they are bowling people over with their money, uh, great as well. Like, that's what VR is. That's what Simmons is. That's what all these pitchers, all these relievers. And if you're frustrated by the lack of you know, a big reliever signing or pitcher signing. I mean, they did add Stroman pre-lockout. Remember that. And of course, this team has done a like. You got to give them some credit for the recent past when it comes to bulk signing of relievers. You sign eight of them. You sign ten of them, and two or three work out. Right? You, uh, it's not an ideal way for things to work out. You'd like some certainty entering entering the season, but it's also you know kind of how smarter teams do things now they they're not overspending on on relief you want to put invest that money in you know cornerstone uh position players or starting pitchers not really relievers not at this point in a rebuild certainly uh 
so yeah, that's basically what's happened. And I, you know, I think it's a pretty clear direction of let's try and make, you know, if 2020 or 2022 works out great, but you know, there's a lot of eye towards the future here, uh, movement that we've, we've talked about, uh, you know, for months now. Right. I feel like you perked up while Sahade was talking there, just looking at you on zoom of the idea of people who don't get it by now either actively refuse to uh, understand, but I'll let you take the floor. But I do think a lot of the skepticism the Cubs have totally earned over the years. And that I think it's coming from a place of like, okay, prove it. Like, you know, a lot of these moves may make sense in isolation, but I think of seeing a coherent picture coming together for 162 games. I mean, there's still just a ton of unknowns and a lot of, uh, kind of hard-earned skepticism from the fan base yeah i so i was I, I, basically i've been trying to suss out over the last week um why and how it is that my perspective on what the cubs are trying to do this offseason is so well matching what i always thought they were going to be doing but is so dissonant from what so many cubs fans smart ones plugged in cubs fans have thought like that why this isn't landing and I, so i've been trying to work that over out over the course of the week and that's why a lot of what sahadev was saying and what you were just saying why that resonates with me because and maybe it's because i you know talked to you guys so much pre-lockout but i feel like from our perspective it was always pretty clear starting with the trade deadline last year what 2022 was going to look like and it was at best going to be a year where the cubs try to give themselves a chance in the first half uh, and then see where things stand next July. And to me, that was a path that was laid down years ago when the Cubs were unable or unwilling to deal with the post-2021 cliff that was coming. Um, I feel like I always knew that 2022 was going to be ugly by virtue of, again, some broader organizational failings after the World Series win, uh, some decisions about what to do with uh certain players internally uh the you know failure to make certain trades before 2022 arrived to smooth that transition so um what i again what i have struggled with is that why why am i seeing this so clearly in my mind um but but others are not and i think uh the lockout is certainly part of it i think that created sort of a fractured perspective for folks that weren't following it obsessively like we were where like Marcus Stroman signed what 10 league days ago you know if that actually happened 10 <laughs> days ago it would be like boy the Cubs are doing a ton of freaking great shit but it wasn't it was you know almost four months ago so people are like I think they forget um that 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 this has been a very active offseason and then two I think people had unrealistic an unrealistic perspective of how strong or not strong this roster was before the off season started. I think it was always going to be basically, it was going to be impossible to turn this roster on paper into an on paper, obvious playoff contender in a single off season, unless you were inking multiple, very long-term, very expensive deals that were going to, you know, maybe turn this into an 85 win team this year and then absolutely cripple them in 2024, 5, 6, 7, whatever. They were never going to do that. Like Jed was very clear about that, I thought. 
And so I think you just get this confluence of those factors, plus some residual disappointment about the trade deadline last year, some bad feelings being brought up every time a former Cubs player signs somewhere else, uh, combined with that cognitive dissonance about like, this is a team that didn't bowl over people with their spending the last couple of years. There are reasons for that, I think, but it didn't happen. And so what you can't compete now this year, you already, you know, took two years off again is what people are thinking to which I would say, well, they, they had the band all together last year and that team kind of stunk. So what are you talking about? Um, so that's where I land to me signing a Suzuki makes perfect sense because he might help you in 2022, but he makes just as much sense for 2023 and beyond. And it's not a crippling contract, you know, in the short-term deals, the one years, well, again, they make sense as maybe it gives you a shot this year. Maybe you make a trade in July. Like it just, it doesn't hurt anything. You're not taking that money with you into the future. So use it, deploy it, sign those pieces now and see what happens. Um, and then I guess there's, there's an elephant in the room that we're not touching on, which is what this is actually about for a lot of people. And it's why aren't they signing Carlos Correa? That's what this conversation actually is for a lot of people. And so I'm going to yield the floor a little bit because I want your guys's sort of unvarnished perspective on this topic. Uh, because I mean, I, I certainly have a perspective, but I think we can't ignore that the, <laughs> singularly the decision sort of like not to extend Javi Baez. And then you go into this off season with tons of great shortstops, which we did talk about on this podcast back in the, the you know early part of the fall. We did. Then the decision to sort of let this offseason go by without maybe signing one of those big shortstops at, at a very superficial level. I get why that could piss people off or confuse people or whatever. So I feel like we got to touch on Correa. We have to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I still wouldn't rule out Correa and I'd put it under one percent. Uh, and it's strictly because, I mean, Patrick, I think Patrick touched on this, but it on the podcast just now, but it essentially like the way Jed works, like he's, he says it all the time and it's just true. If it's a value deal and what a lot of what that means is if their R and D department spits out the, Hey, this is what it is. It's now value to us giving up the draft pick, the years and the contract. This is a win for us. We should sign this deal for a superstar shortstop. That's what they're looking for right now. I hope that that kind of thought process for just for the fan base, I hope that changes when when like guys like Casey and, and Triantos and whoever are, are coming up in 24, whatever it is, and, and they don't aren't just looking for the pure win in a contract because sometimes that it may have uh, bit Theo in the past at times. But sometimes you have to do that where you're like, we may be losing this deal 51 to 49. But we have to do it because this is this is a area of weakness. This is what's going to put us in a spot to really, you know, step on the necks of the competition and, and win the World Series. But for right now, that's just not going to happen. And if, it, you know, if the Correa deal comes at a value that Jed Hoyer and his front office are like, we have to sign this deal. This is a great deal. Uh, they'll do it still. It doesn't don't look like Simmons and VR don't block Carlos Correa. Now, we can talk, like, if that were to happen, like, a lot of other things would have to happen, too, right? Because the roster just looks funny. Uh, I still think the roster looks funny. Uh, I, I just think, 
either maybe it's as simple as you know uh, a DFA here and a and a using an option for a guy you didn't think you were going to use an option for uh, and stuff like that. But I still think like they could make some trades here just to make this roster fit together a little bit better. But also like we keep hammering home, twenty twenty two just isn't the year where you have to have this perfect roster. Uh, if things click, great. Uh, I I just wouldn't I. I hate to give Cubs fans too much hope because I, like I said, it's below 1% in my mind. Don't, don't, uh, don't think that uh, Scott Boris can't pull a rabbit out of a hat and, and find that team that's willing to give him the 10 year crazy deal right now. It looks like that team isn't there, uh, but somehow he makes it happen year after year. Uh, occasionally he doesn't and maybe this is the contract maybe this is the year one of those uh, deals where he just he can't find it so he has to find a different way to make his client happy Uh, so we'll see Uh, but I just wouldn't rule out rule it out yeah I mean we just saw what Boris did for Chris Bryant and I think the both the the team and the dollars and the years I think surprised a lot of people around the baseball industry but i think if you know chris bryant's personality and his priorities i think it made a lot of sense as someone who valued long-term security was sick of dealing with trade rumors and wanted you know full no trade protection uh, a place where he can just go play uh i don't think anyone thinks of the rockies as an instant contender or a perennial playoff team but this is the cliff that Brett was talking about. It was the cliff that Jed Hoyer said we didn't want to run off of the way the Tigers and Phillies did. And I still, to this day, have been surprised at how Jed name-checked other teams that uh, went through these prolonged rebuilding cycles. It's really kind of unheard of uh, for a sports executive to kind of use those uh, examples, but I think we've seen Jed's style. We've heard of it from people who've worked with him and interacted with him uh, that he is extremely disciplined and analytically inclined. Now that's basically what baseball executives are today. It's not like he's a, an outlier, but uh, it's he's made a pretty firm stamp Uh, on this organization through his decisions at the trade deadline and how he has approached free agency here. I think there's something to be said for kind of knowing what you want and going out and getting it. Uh, It's not zero risk to bypass uh, Carlos Correa. And I think we're all in agreement here. It's, it's a long shot, but until we see like the tweet from Ken Rosenthal that he signs elsewhere, uh, I don't think you can completely rule it out and I don't think that's creating false hope I think it's trying to convey the tone within whatever their war room is in Mesa here of okay at what point does this drop and kind of make sense for the Cubs in the long term I don't know what that number is and if it's anywhere close uh, to happening but um, I guess I can speak to it more of just how they've been the front office has kind of holed up uh, in the Sloan Park complex, uh, given the unusual off-season calendar and the fact that there is still so much on the table, even as games are starting. 
It, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I, I know fans aren't don't see this as spring training after spring training. Uh, and this is the first uh, spring training where we're back, uh, you know, in our area, the areas that we were normally allowed in since, you know, every, the world shut down in 20, March of 2020. But it, it's it's odd not to see Jed walking around and to be able to just like grab him and say, hey, Jed, you got five minutes to chat type stuff. Uh I've seen Jed outside of the opening presser uh, zero times downstairs. Like he's he's come outside, and uh, there were a couple like uh, live VPs that he came out to see, but he's not coming down to be accosted by a media member. They're they're holed up in their offices, which you know kind of oversee the the main field and the agility field uh, in their uh, complex and they're they're constantly looking to make moves right now and i don't know if that how long that how much longer that lasts is that going to be a whole three-week thing is this a three-week free agent trade uh period that coincides with spring training but i talked to talked to someone high up who one of the few people that's kind of stepped out of that room more than once uh and and I just was confirming, I'm like, is this as hectic and as, you know, like it's kind of all over the place as it kind of seems to us? And he's like, no, it's it's constant. And and he literally was like walking away from me, like backing away because he's like, <laughs> I have to go because it's nonstop work. Like I'm literally in between things. I had to go talk to a coach about something, but that's the only reason I'm down here. Constant work. Uh, I don't think they, they really so know. get the hell away from get, me. Son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it's a hectic period, not just for the – I mean, I think the Cubs are probably one of the more active teams because of the pitching that they so desperately need, but it's it's like this everywhere. I mean, we're seeing as we record, you know, like the Phillies keep adding poor defensive sluggers to their uh, outfield. Uh, I, I think it's – just on a side note, how like, – can that team get worse defensively? I think they put together one of the worst defensive teams ever in 2020, and they're trying to top it. But uh, they'll score a ton of runs. So, uh, but yeah, the teams are just—it's an insane period right now. I don't—we've never seen anything like it. Even if it isn't the NFL or NBA free agency, the the way they're working is something that uh, probably comes almost as close to what Jed and the front office had to do last July in that final week. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, I think um, back to the the busyness of what's going on. Um, I think you could draw a par- draw a a line to that um, through what we're talking about. What 
this front office is about in general, but also right now, which is if you're animating, um, you know, procedure for this time period is we'll do any value deal that we can get, then you probably are going to be disproportionately bonkers busy at a time when not only those deals are available because the transaction window opened back up, teams are feverishly trying to put their rosters together, and but also this time pressure that was artificially created by this lockout um, it could create these kind of, I don't want to, insidious is probably too strong a word, but like unfortunate incentives for players to take deals that teams might see as value because they just want to get a deal done and get back on the field and sort of just get back to it. And something I think about that we haven't seen so far from the Cubs as they are aggressively working through these deals is we haven't really seen much in the way of trade uh, efforts. Um, I imagine those talks are going on extensively behind the scenes. But what I wonder is, it's one thing to be willing to play out the free agent market over a, a long period of time as spring training is playing out. Maybe you get close to the season, particularly for position players. You know, the, the talk has always been that they only need a couple of weeks to ramp up. Good, fine. Cubs will still keep following that. But when it comes to trades, particularly at the major league level, I just wonder at what point the this sort of human elements of it become a, a hurdle to actually getting something done. Um, you know, I think often about the trade that the Padres made. It was early. I think it was early in AJ Preller's tenure when they acquired Craig Kimbrell, like Kimbrell. literally on opening day or the day after opening day or whatever it was. And it stands out to me because it's so rare. Like you just, you do not see transformative trades happening that late in spring training or early in the season just there's and there are lots of reasons for that but what i haven't been able to get a good sense of is in this compressed period this weird spring training post lockout where all of the trades were held up like are we still awaiting a, a big crash of trades maybe not necessarily involving the cubs maybe maybe not um but you mentioned it also Sadif, like it's a weird roster right now. It's very full. I was going over the the state of the roster, and it is overloaded with guys that you would expect to be on a big league roster. I'm not saying they're overloaded with superstars, and that's and it's a great team. It's just they're overloaded with guys that you're like, oh yeah, well he's a big leaguer. He's a big leaguer, and I don't know how that resolves itself exactly. I don't know how the still outstanding A's trades get resolved. I don't know why Craig Kimbrell is still on the White Sox. Um, I just feel like there's a lot of that that still has to shake out, but I, I don't know if there's enough time. Yeah, I think some of those things just have to happen, right? I I mean, just beyond the Cubs, some of those, like, I'm not sure how the White Sox go into the season with Craig Kimbrell on their roster. That's going to be, and they still have some holes to fill, you know, for a team that is, clearly all in and and uh one of the favorites to win the world series uh they they have to make another move i think to either free up that money from kimbrell and and, and do something with it or they they need to do something i agree with the a's there's uh, san diego is desperate to do something now that the with especially with the tatis injury how they're able to pull something off 
I don't know. Uh, I think there's, you know, like quieter wild cards like Cleveland with Jose Ramirez. Does he get moved? That's the type of deal that could really shake up a, a division and, and a, a, you know, just the league in general. Uh, so there's there's all these dominoes that could fall, and I and like like you said, like I think the Cubs are on the periphery for a lot of it. Like, how do they get themselves involved? Because they're always they're in this moment where I keep coming, I keep looking at that roster too, and I'm like, this is just it's hard to put it together. And there's a way where they, I would think that they'd look at it as wasting value with some of the way that the roster is constructed. So I wonder how do they maximize that value? There may be a trade that makes sense for them. I just don't, it's, I agree with you. I think that we're in a point where it's kind of hard for it all to come together, especially because there's so many free agents and you're trying to see how it shakes out, see who ends up where right now. I think we're at the point where pretty much all the big free agents are the qualifying qualified offer guys. So that's also probably a little bit of a hurdle. Uh, So there's, it's, these next few days, I think through the weekend, I would expect it to be resolved by the end of the weekend, by Monday, where we may have a very different view of how teams look, because I think a lot of big free agents would should be signed by then, and maybe some big moves get that, that leads to some big moves. I, everyone was saying that the Freeman deal was holding things up, and that doesn't seem to be the case. So I, I just don't... I, it's It's a very odd situation where... This is the type of stuff that we should be talking about in uh, December December at the winter meetings. And now it's it's happening as we're preparing for opening day. It's it's an odd situation. I, I don't I think there's a lot of. Uh, I think I think there's just like there's a lot of front office members that are like, I'm dealing with way too much right now. We, we thought we had a lot before. And this is just like, how do we you can't do 18 things at once. So. So the trades may be what the, I, I I get what you're saying about the human element, and I agree with it. I think sometimes they just have. To, it's kind of like why why is it why aren't they talking to Wilson Contreras about an extension? Because they just can't prioritize that right now. It's just not realistic to prioritize that. So they have to take care of other things, and unfortunately, that that may be something that costs them in some fashion. But uh, it's just the reality of the situation. You guys both touched on this separately but i think it's worth revisiting just the idea that you know i realize some people just simply don't believe in clubhouse chemistry and i'm not saying the cubs should have like ran back the core like every year through 2028 there's a lot of guys on like one-year deals who like brett said they all you know think of themselves as big leaguers and have certain expectations of what they want to do this year and for the rest of their careers and trying to set themselves up. And there's not a whole lot of history together uh, on this team. You have like new coaches coming in, players coming off of injuries. And I think that's why if you're a fan looking at this roster, you're, you're, you are confused because you know, the Cubs are not going to go all out to give themselves the best chance to win this year. And I do think all of these kind of like, if they're not mismatched pieces, it's hard to see how they all fit together. And, and I do think that it will be a story we're going to be following all year. Like, you know, the first, you know, when they lose their first series, is it going to spiral into another like 11 or 12 game losing streak? Like there's not 
I'm just not sure what the Cubs can like count on from one game to the next. And obviously, you know, the off season isn't over whatever the off season is these days. And, you know, the Cubs aren't done. We will expect more additions and some fine tuning and shaping and definitions of roles, but it's just kind of, it's a lot to take in and hard to like see how this is going to move from on paper to on the field. That's such a good point. And that, uh, that ties into also, I think something that fans are perceiving and is, is again, a good and understandable reason for feelings of unsettledness is that when you are approaching a transitional roster, like the Cubs are now, you're going to create situations where like, I could count on one hand, maybe. I might not even need the whole hand. The spots and roles on the roster that are clearly set with like a dude, right? You got three spots in the rotation where you're like, yeah, if they're healthy, we know that's them. Catcher, set, got it. Every other spot, right? Yes. Is at least maybe a platoon, maybe a rotation of guys. Maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's that guy. Like every single spot in the bullpen, every single role, question mark. Outfield, every single spot, question. We we think now maybe probably Seiya is mostly going to be the everyday right fielder, but maybe not. Maybe he'll move around. We don't know. And through the infield, it's like every single spot is like, well, it might be a little bit of this guy, a little bit of that guy, some days this. And while that's while that makes sense for where the Cubs are in terms of trying to get these value signings short term, kind of keep, stay flexible, both in terms of the roster and in terms of the timeline and in terms of in-game moves, but like it doesn't create a lot of sense of stability and comfort and clarity for fans. That's a good point. Like I'm going to, I'm going to use that. That was good. That, that, that made me sort of crystallize a little bit more that like, I think probably you layer on not to get too deep on this, but you layer on the, the, what the lockout was the creation of uncertainty among big time fans in a pandemic where we've been dealing with uncertainty for so long. Uh, A team that was torn down last year with familiar faces that we've been with for the best period of time in our lives as Cubs fans. And then all of that becomes unsettled when you're already feeling unsettled. And then you look at a roster that's unsettled and all these things just creates feelings that you maybe don't exactly know how to articulate. I certainly haven't. And so you, you fall back on, well, it's sports. So I'm frustrated. You know, I'd spend money, do that. You know, it's, there's, it's sort of easy to, to go into those places. And so, um, you know, I understand it. So maybe it's a little facile for me to say, well, it seems clear to me that everything they're doing is what they set out to do in the fall. It's it's probably more layered and complicated than that for, yeah. you know, and this is, this is reasons. coming, this is coming after what a half decade of almost total stability at a lot of those positions. You had first base lockdown, you had third base lockdown, obviously catcher is still kind of locked down. You just knew, like, you couldn't right field as frustrating as right field may be for Cubs fans. That was locked down. Uh, Schwarber had a lot of time in the left. Uh, Javi had short. Like, it was just like you knew where people were and they were just going to be there. You weren't pursuing uh, players for those spots. Like, that's just how it was for so long. And it's just so, it's a very unsettling uh, feeling for fans, I'm sure. Uh, that said, I will say, if we can go back to something, I was thrown off by the utter, uh, 
like just how upset Cubs Twitter was when when Anthony Rizzo went back to the Yankees. Did did fans actually think there was a chance that Anthony Rizzo was coming back after what happened? Like that really surprised me. It, once he turned down that four-year, $70 million deal, outside of the Cubs winning last year, there was no chance of him coming back. I can't I, – like, I'm surprised they didn't read that situation differently. Once – it had nothing to do with, uh, you know, him being traded. It had to do with – it was over after then. Like, he wasn't coming back. He had to – unless he had a monster season and they decided like, yeah, that's our cornerstone guy. We're bringing him back. I think he had a poor season. He wasn't going to sign with the Cubs coming back to the Cubs with his tail between his legs and saying, I'll take the value deal with the Cubs. That just like, there was zero chance of that ever happening. Once that deal was turned down, it was over. Like there were very few scenarios of Anthony Rizzo staying with the Cubs and it just, it didn't, I, I didn't get it. I guess it was, that was the um, sentimental fan reaction, right? It wasn't the logical uh, reaction. So I guess that's what it is, right? It wasn't, there was no logic to the reaction because it, I was, I was kind of surprised of all the, of the three players, I just felt like, yeah, that's, that era is done. Like that, that era of Cubs baseball is done. Like Javi was the only one I thought had any shot of coming back. And even that, obviously we knew that was over before the lockout started. I mean, I think with Rizzo, as we've learned with this front office, like they like to say, you know, never say never to like anything. Like, I mean, you know, I, I'm with you in that. I, I thought it was pretty telling when Anthony Rizzo went on Ian Happ's podcast and said, described the experience of cleaning out his apartment in Chicago that he had had for like seven years. I think that was a pretty big tell about his chances of coming back to the Cubs. And, you know, I think Rizzo has been chasing um, since that first deal he signed, which was a totally understandable position as someone who had a cancer scare and had been traded twice and, like, knew the front office and loved Chicago. Like, he made the a decision that made sense for him at that time. And... You know, if you're Anthony Rizzo and you're the one who catches the final out and you see how much Wrigleyville has changed since you first arrived and you looking at the franchise values, uh, you know, since you joined the team, he doesn't get credit for all of that, but he certainly uh, contributed a ton. And, you know, I think New York makes more sense for him anyway. The Yankees are a good fit for his family, for his skill set um he clearly is not valued uh the way that freddie freeman or paul goldschmidt has been and those were the guys he kind of compared himself to over the years and while still a very good player uh rizzo has not stayed on that like you know no doubt all-star trajectory year after year after year which is really really hard and you know he's on a good team in a good situation um and i do think there's something to the cubs this isn't um a statement directly about rizzo more just like i think they're ready to move on i think they saw how the team performed at the most important moments of the season year after year after year and felt like 
they needed uh, a refresh. And clearly, for better or worse, that's where they are now. I think you guys summed it up well. I mean, I'll speak to the I'll speak at the fan level that I think the lockout I think created enough of a fracture in our minds to forget what the tenor was in the fall and the expectations that of course he's not coming back. Of course, like it it happened to me too. You know, you're everything's shut down for long enough that you can kind of start to talk yourself back into, well, you know, if, if, if the lockout lasts a really long time and he's got a, he's crunched to make a deal. And if the Yankees do end up uh, getting Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman, you know, maybe he, that he's got no other option and he's, there's familiarity at least and whatever, whatever. I think you allow yourself to, to be talked into that. And while I was not surprised in the least at how it actually played out, I think um, it probably does speak to what we were talking about before, which is that, if you have been in that familiar place, I, I'm speaking as fans in that familiar place for so long, you know, you, you, you want just like a little bit of that back, you know, you just want just a little bit of it. And so I think that probably was an element, but you know, certainly will uh, will wish, you know, Anthony Rizzo the best with the Yankees. And I think that in time, and I, I think this about all of the departed Cubs with the arguable exception of Javi Baez, I think we will look back and think, you know what, that was a good and appropriate time to 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 transition. You know, maybe it should have been um, a smoother transition that was that was worked out a little differently year in the years that were leading up to it. Arguably, pandemic really mucked that up. Not to mention the Chris Bryant service time grievance. You know, throwback for for folks that <laughs> that affected some things i think people forget that really affected some things so maybe we'll leave it there and i'll, I'll use that as an opportunity to shout out patrick just uh, wrote a piece on that, that touches on a lot of this stuff at the athletic so make sure you give that a look and uh you know like i said we're back we're going to get back on a, a regular rhythm now that the season is back i think i don't want to make any promises about exactly what the schedule will look like um but it should be, you know, a multi-week or multi-episode week situation, certainly by the time the regular season gets underway. So it's good to be back. It's good to talk to you guys. And uh, and I, I, I mean that to the two of you. It is it is nice to chat with you guys. We'll see if the listeners agree. But uh, appreciated. Uh, the, you know, read all their great work at The Athletic. Subscribe to this pod wherever you get it. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everyone.